for our scripture lesson this morning. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll be reading the first 11 verses. Eschatology. If that strange word brings anything to mind, it may be confusion, charts, lines and dates, plots and plans covering all manner of nations and their role in the history of our ages. And perhaps with that sensibility from our modern period, it's a strange thing to realize that eschatology, that doctrine which is at the very heart of eschatology, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, was a doctrine of tremendous significance in the preaching of the gospel. The return of Christ was a crucial element in Paul's evangelism, and it was held forth as precious to the church for its very existence in this last age of redemptive history as a practical doctrine that would inform the life of believers and sustain them through this age. First Thessalonians is one of Paul's earliest letters. It's written to a church newly planted among pagans. And yet this is Paul's concern for them. Hear the word of God. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another up and build one another up just as you are doing. Let us pray together. Our Father, how grateful we are for your word, and we pray that by the work of your Spirit, you would work in our hearts and minds, that we might understand it, that we might love it, and that loving it, we might be stirred to faithful obedience to the glory of our Lord, we pray it. Amen. As I said, Paul here speaks of the day of the return of the Lord Jesus. This is the overarching theme 
of this end to the letter. Paul speaks of that day in verses 1 through 3, and then in 4 through 11, he speaks of those who will escape the judgment of that day, and in general, why they will be ready for it. And he finally concludes the letter with specific instructions as to the proper manner of life, how to live now in that day, as it were, and thus to be prepared for that day, no matter when it comes. In these 11 verses, there are clearly three parts. They're identified by transitional phrases. One through three provides a section introduced by but concerning that unexpected coming day. Four through seven, another section identified but you, the contrast, the prepared believers. And eight through 11, identified by but we, their faithfulness rooted in God, in his election, and his son's work of atonement. This morning we're going to teach, we're going to consider what Paul teaches respect to the day of the return of Christ in judgment. Look at the text again with me, if you would. Now concerning the times and seasons, you have no need for anything to be written to you. Now concerning, as I said, a marker that Paul is moving on to other matters. The theme is similar to the concerns at the close of chapter 4, the return of Jesus. But now not so much the question of how, but when. Paul may be responding to a question from the Thessalonians brought to him by Timothy or by a letter from them. He's addressing the times and the seasons. There's no real distinction signaled by these terms. Rather, it's a figure of speech for when something will occur. The purpose of their question doesn't appear to be to satisfy idle curiosity. They receive no rebuke from Paul. Rather, it appears that they're anxious about this matter, concerned that they might be prepared. But Paul reminds them, you have no need for anything to be written to you. They have already been instructed in this matter. As a part of the missionary message, it was a foundational teaching of the gospel of Christ. What was that message? Verse 2, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He says, you know that the day is unknown. The day of the Lord, a concept central to the Old Testament prophets, a day that Yahweh would vindicate his righteous cause and execute impartial judgment against his enemies, as we've seen in the Old Testament passages we considered earlier. This is taken over in the New Testament to refer to the second coming of Christ, who is revealed to be the Lord of all. And it is the day of his final vindication. In verse 3, Paul sets the context for it. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant, pregnant woman, and they will not escape. People are saying, that is, unbelievers, 
They're crying peace and security. This is possibly an allusion to Jeremiah's prophecy. You remember he spoke of those twice, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Sudden pangs, suddenly birth pangs upon a woman with child. She's expecting, but the unexpected comes upon her inexorable, no turning back, and they shall not escape. These are ominous words. The fearful implications of sin are here displayed. Sin's awful tendency to self-deception. But now a transition. But you, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, Paul is ready with the word of comfort and encouragement for the Thessalonians. But you. There's a difference, all the difference in the world. Paul portrays a stark contrast. Those who are destroyed on the day because they are in self-imposed darkness. Now concerning preparations for that day and between those and believers who are not in darkness now, and thus will not be threatened upon that day. This is the picture foretold in Malachi's prophecy, a day like a furnace for some, but like the rising of the sun of righteousness with healing in its wings. Paul says, you Thessalonians will not be found unprepared for the day of the Lord because you are not in darkness now. What is this absence of darkness? Does he mean the Thessalonian believers know the day and the hour and thus will not be caught by surprise? No, not at all. They too will be surprised by the sudden coming of the Lord. Not because you know the time but because you live now, as it were, in that day, as we'll fully consider next week. The transition again for you all. You are children as light, children of the day, not of the night or the darkness. Here we see the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9 and Isaiah 60. A people living in darkness have a great light shine upon them that enlightens them. The glory of the Lord rests upon them. Children of. It's an idiom meaning characterized by. Children of the light meaning characterized by Christ who is the light. In particular, they are children of the day. Children of the day of the light of the Lord. Judgment will be made plain. The rule of God manifest. These are people whose lives are characterized by that reality on this day and every day. Thus he speaks of them as they are in Christ. And he goes on to speak of how they should behave because of who they are. Thus, we conclude from this passage that believers are prepared for the day of the Lord because they are children of that day. That is, the day of the Lord has, as it were, already come upon them. 
Believers are prepared for the day of the Lord because they are children of that day. That day has, as it were, already come upon them. Now, first, a brief word as we think about this truth, about light and darkness as it runs through this passage. We first consider God as the source of light for both creation and redemption. In 1 John 1, 5, we read, This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Light in the scripture symbolizes both knowledge and understanding as well as moral purity. The light signifies truth and holiness. And it's at creation itself that the ground for this metaphor is established. We read about this in Genesis chapter 1 at verse 3 and following. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Light first created separating it from the darkness. Here is established the ground for the metaphor that will be characteristic of God's dealing with his people throughout all of the age. They will be people of light, and they will be separated from the darkness. This is seen beautifully, then, in recreation. With the fall, darkness has fallen upon the world, but there is a promise, a promise that the darkness will be banished. This is proposed in the Old Testament. As we saw in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1, the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. And again in Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for the light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, the darkness of the earth shall cover the earth, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. This promise was fulfilled in the New Testament. Recreation, so far as our experience of it is concerned, begins again with God commanding, let there be light. This is what Paul is getting at in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. He speaks of God, who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, shining into our hearts. Now the consummation of this recreation is found in the day of the Lord, a day of light, a day when the light shines as never before. And the experience of the believer in this age anticipates that very light. You are sons of the day now. What this includes is fittingly evident in a week of elements that belong to that day. Uh, That is, I'm going to consider seven points. First, on that day Jesus will be revealed in glory. So we now are a people who have that glorious light revealed within us. 
With respect to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Matthew urges that in his teaching, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah is fulfilled. And then he comments, The people dwelling in the darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling upon the region and the shadow of death, on them light has dawned. Matthew 4.16 So too John testifies in the first chapter of his gospel in verses 4 and 5, speaking of Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to all, was coming into the world. Jesus proclaimed himself to be that light in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. As he is the light, this is his characteristic ministry for his people. So John 8, 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Thus, this comes to be Jesus' designation for his people in Luke 16, 8. He speaks of them as sons of the light. Of course, once they were in darkness, this is the sad testimony of John chapter 3 at verse 19. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. As Paul reminds the believers at Ephesus, at one time you were darkness, but the gospel is the light. Paul speaks of it in 2 Corinthians 4.4, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They enter this light by faith. John 12. The light is among you for a little while. Walk in the light while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light. That you may become sons of light. This is embraced by faith, and that faith is God's gift. So Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And having such a gift from God, the recipients are transformed. Now they too are light. Ephesians 5, 8 and following. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that's good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Wake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine. On you. This is through the indwelling work of the Spirit of God. Secondly, on that day, the light of judgment will shine upon all. 
But believers now live in light of the judgment of that day. We look at the unrepentant as those who will be certainly exposed on that day. But we have no ability to see in their hearts, but only know of the certainty of God's judgment against unbelief and unrighteousness. And thus, according to Matthew 10, we have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. No fear with respect to the unbeliever, but only pity and a desire for mercy on their behalf that they might avoid this terrible calamity. We look at ourselves as having already come under the judgment of the day of the Lord. We have been judged in Christ and are looking forward to the Lord's coming judgment with patience and humility, because it is no threat to us. Thus John in chapter 3. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come into the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light, that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. On the day of the Lord, the light of the world will so shine, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, Philippians 2. But by grace, that very light shines in our hearts today, and we bow and confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The great truth of the day of the Lord characterizes our lives now. Three, on the day of the Lord, the light of righteousness will be made plain. But we now love the law of God and pursue righteousness as it's found in his word. We are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. The day of the Lord is a day of testing. 1 Corinthians 3.13 Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And if any man's work remains, he shall see a reward. That's the day of the Lord, a day of testing. But in 1 Corinthians 3, we read further, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, revealed by fire that tests the work. And if that work, and excuse me, if the work that anyone has built on survives, he will receive a reward. However, now, the believer finds that the word is a lamp shining in a dark place, 2 Peter 1.19. And by that lamp, he examines all things, 2 Corinthians 13. In particular, the light of the righteousness of that day 
is seen in the disposition of believers to love brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what John teaches in his first epistle in the second chapter. He says such a one abides in the light. On the other hand, a lack of love is a sure sign of prevailing darkness. Four, on the day of the Lord, the light of God's rule over all things will be revealed. But believers now live in light of that glorious sovereign rule. To turn from darkness to light is to turn from the power of Satan to God, Acts 26. We turn as forgiven, as those who are being made holy by faith. We have, according to the scripture, now been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son, Colossians 1, 12, and 13. And thus we are qualified to share in the inheritance of saints in light. For us, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining, 1 John 2, 8. This embrace of God's sovereign majesty brings courage to live in this world. If anyone walks in the day, Jesus said, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Christ's people do not stumble because the light of God's day shines within them. And his purposes and power are more real to them than that of the opposition. This brings meaning and understanding in the trials of this world. It overcomes despair, a sense of futility in your labors. We know in the light of Christ that our labor is not in vain. For his people, Christ brings to light the invisible God, and in him all things hold together. Five, on the day of the Lord, those in the light will be separated from those in the darkness. But now we as believers are a separated people. So Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Of course, we share with unbelievers in our human nature. We share in the world that is created in its fruitfulness. As Calvin said, For one sun shines upon us all, and we eat the same bread, we breathe the same air, and we cannot altogether refrain from intercourse with them. But with respect to a way of seeing what is of enduring value, we have nothing in common with unbelief. We see the world as created by a loving creator, They see it as a function of chance. We see intelligent purpose at work in all that takes place. 
They see nothing but the survival of the fittest. We see human beings as creatures of dignity created in the image of God. They see us as cosmic accidents coming from nothing and going to nothing. We see human beings as moral agents, responsible beings. They see us as slaves of appetite, genes in motion. We see a future hope. They see blank nothingness and the cold dissolution of the universe. More light is shed on this separation from darkness in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul said to the believers there in in verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words because of the things that the wrath of God, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them in the things that will bring God's wrath. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Number six, on the day of the Lord, we will feel the light of God's favor. But believers now enjoy this extraordinary blessing. Recall Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4 and following. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Yes, that is reserved and it is to come. But believers now enjoy this commendation. Having been granted, as Paul said in Colossians, the knowledge of God's will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. This is God's own work within us. He is at work that we might will and do for his good pleasure. This is the day of the Lord come upon us, even in this age. And finally, on the day of the Lord, we will be revealed as lights of witness to the work of God throughout the age. But we are now that light in measure in a dark world. With respect to the day of the Lord, we read in Romans 8, I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And yet that day is but a consummation of a revealing that is taking place right now. It is the consummation of our experience in this age. Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
As a people now, we follow the command of Christ to say in the light what he has revealed. Our works are to be in the light as witness, John 3, 21. Whoever does what is true comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works are carried out by God. Following the Apostle Paul, we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We are now those who proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thus, you see, for folk who live in these seven ways, the day of the Lord is but a public declaration and display of what has long been their experience in part and what has long been their confident hope and expectation in Christ. Believers are prepared for the day of the Lord because they are sons of that day. And that, that is to say, the day of the Lord has, as it were, already come upon them. Now for application this morning, just a word or two, because next Lord's Day we're going to look at an extended application of this text. We'll see there that since we are children of the day, we are thus to live as children of the day. But for this morning, by God's grace, hear these words and build your faith on this truth of God's word. You are not in darkness, that the day of the Lord should overtake you unprepared. You are children of that day. Seek to understand more of what this means in the word and in your experience. Every day in measure should be an experience of the day of the Lord because you are children of that day. Especially the Lord's day should be understood in this fashion. The more you come to see who you are in Christ, the more you will be able to bring that reality into the light for the world to see and to give glory to your Father who is in heaven. On that great day, the day of the Lord, your surprise will be the surprise of delight and not the horror of unpreparedness for which there is no remedy. You are all children of the light, children of the day. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let us pray together. Our Father, we thank you for these extraordinary truths, that by your grace we are children of the day. We live with respect to the realities of the grand and glorious day of the Lord, 
so that these things will be in measure familiar to us, coming to us with joy in their fullness, finally. Help us so to live, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.